Welcome back to season three of Dean by Emory. We've missed y'all. Oh, we miss y'all so much. But we are back. As always, my name is Aaron Campbell, and I'll be one of your co-hosts for this episode. Hey, Being Black Emory. My name is Ronald Poole. I'm one of your new executive producers, and I'm a co-host for this season. Hey, y'all. So I'm Aaron Campbell, Jr. I'm the director and editor of Being Black Emory, and I'm back here for season three as a co-host. And I'm so happy and excited to be back because it's been such a long time, G. Like, it's been a, a minute since we've been able to produce episodes for y'all, but I'm excited to be back. And if 2020 has been as crazy as it's been for us, like, COVID has done just messed up everybody's plans, done like took everything by storm and it took being Black Emory by storm as well. And it's taking my school semester by storm in a, in a gesture because <laughs> this is for the birthday. This is crazy. And right. just being back in this atmosphere is just a lot. So like, how are y'all feeling about 2020? How are y'all feeling about being back in school virtually and having this whole setup as you can see because of COVID and what's going on in the world? Well, it's a lot. It's a lot. Um, I just feel I like this virtual, sem this virtual semester has all already proven to be um, more <laughs> overwhelming than any other semester. And I'm, I'm only a second year, so I mean, I don't have very much to go by. But, you know, I know what school should look like. And yeah. this ain't it. So, yeah. yeah. So, the professors doing a lot. Doing way too much. <laughs> My opinion. Like, you would think that there'd be some kind of universal leniency within the within the institution, but they're like, hell no. And I don't, I really feel like that's a big issue. I think that when you don't have all these students from multiple different backgrounds and you, they're all displaced kind of all over the country or in their homes and you're not even trying to accommodate the additional difficulties that come with not being in school or in a physical school environment. And so that has been a lot for me personally, but yeah, so we feel for y'all students. I'm one of those students. So yeah, professors have been a lot. Yeah, I definitely agree. I'm over it. I'm most definitely over it, been over it. You know, will continue to be over it. <laughs> right. I just feel like I'm calling graduation. I'm a senior, so I'm like, what do you got be like? Ronald, yeah. because I can just imagine being a sophomore and like not even having, you know, an expectancy of what's going to happen you know, to come. Like the extreme isolation, I think, that you experience during quarantine is just, for me, something I've never experienced, at least I have experienced since me feeling isolated in my own identity. But here, being physically alone, no one around you, it's just like, damn, like my whole, I've been, very violently severed from my social connection, my social support systems, and it just, it's tough. And so I totally understand, you know, how everyone's coping with this very differently. So when COVID first broke out back in like, what, March, you wanna say, how was like y'all like, you know, reacting to it? And what was the initial response you think in your own like communities? having to return to campus, Emory saying, you know, you got, you got this amount of days to come get your shit and leave because <laughs> uh, else we just gonna lock your doors and you can't get in. Um, I think it was, it was, it was a little like farcical. I was like, is this a joke? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I hadn't really heard anything about coronavirus. Like I had seen the, the, 
the like intermittent news stories about like this person in New York is affected by coronavirus, but you know, I didn't, it didn't, it didn't affect me or anybody I knew. So it was, it was still, um, you know, distant. So I wasn't really concerned about it, but having that, that email sent to me and realizing that, you know, my entire Emory life is going to be displaced mm. and I have to reacclimate myself to my home environment. And not only that, not only reacclimating myself to my home environment, like in a social and spiritual sense, but like now I got to do work at home. Now right. I'm sitting in my bed, like having to do work um, versus, you know, being in the classroom and having that, that physical setting. But um, I think, you know, like I said, I think a lot of it, a lot of my, my response to it when the news first broke was like, this is crazy. This isn't real. Um, so I think that, I think me, like, um, I don't know the word. I think me uh, denying it for so long actually contributed to more problems adjusting to quarantine. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I really agree. I think initially we're, me and Aaron, I saw some other Emory students were driving back from Miami. Yeah, it's spring yeah. break. And we were just kind of just like, this is happening? A right. pandemic? You know, uh, a, a viral infection that's infecting millions of people across the globe. And it was just kind of just like, like you said, it was kind of distant from us. It wasn't as personal. Mm. But, you know, I think, thinking about it in retrospect, you know, and also like contracting COVID-19, you know, like from Miami, um, you, it does get a lot more real. Like when you go through it personally, um, and you just realize like, oh, this is a real reality and that many people are facing. And fortunately enough, you know, I'm young. So like having it wasn't as detrimental to me, but you do can, you definitely can, I definitely can understand how it can, grossly affects someone who doesn't have a strong immune system, who are older. And so you do begin to think like, oh, wow, like, this is a real thing, so. Yeah, and what's crazy too was like, when we were in Miami, it was busting. Like, literally, I haven't been in that big of a crowd of people since like- That's COVID. the gag, it's still busting. It was busting through quarantine. It was busting. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it's People everywhere 24 seven. But actually, I made a realization. I don't think the Miami trip was like the biggest crowd I've been in since then. I think the biggest crowd I've been in was the protests I went to over the summer um, <laughs> in Chicago through the whole Black Lives Matter movement, how, you know, has kind of re-emerged in our realities and our minds that, you know, Black people are being killed by police and it continues to happen um, at an alarming rate. And I think that we, have almost been desensitized to it. I don't know. Like, it's just been a weird, like, that to me was, like, a weird transition. And not even just the protesting, but the riots, the looting, like, it was crazy here in Chicago. Like, I went up the block and, like, everything was burned down, as it should be. But I'm just, like, you know, I just feel like this has really caused a shake up in, like, the world. What were y'all responsible? responses to that in particular, just like, you know, the George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the countless others that have been, you know, unfortunately brutalized by the police and, you know, in many different ways. Yeah, so I will say that my response was different than 
what it was when, say, like Trayvon Martin was killed. Um, and I think that speaks to exactly the point that you just brought up that in a way I've sort of become desensitized to like black death, to images of black death. Right. And, but even though, even through that desensitization, I think my, my native response is to go to work. Like I need to, I need to, to do something to express like solidarity with the families who, uh, who like, who experienced this loss. Like I need to show, show, show them that, you know, I'm black and, you know, I, I understand your experiences. Like having someone, having someone in my family who was shot by a police officer, like I, I've had personal experiences with that. So I, I think, yeah, my native response was just to, like you said, get out, uh, go to protests, do as much as I can, and also bring that, bring that activism to, uh, to Emory, like an institution that has been historically removed from conversations like this. But yeah. Mm -hmm. My response, I feel like I was, like Rama said, desensitized, but also just not in the right mental state to really even know what actual steps I can take. And so a lot of my things weren't so active or in person, but definitely as much as I can do virtually, donations, things of that nature. Um, because I just, quarantine really did a whole number on me. And I think, you know, that just made things, it exacerbated it, honestly. And so, yeah, I think that was my big response to that. Um, and I think, you know, a big takeaway I took that whole experience as well is just how the media perception uh, and portrayal of the movement in itself has been so distorted to put the attention or the blame on looters or rioters and people who are just raising up and, you know, concerned or just out of just sheer, just like, I'm tired of it. Like, I'm sick of being like in a system where I feel as though my voice and my body is not like valued or it doesn't matter. And I feel like when people loot or when they kind of, you know, goes towards these businesses that are protected anyway um, by millions and millions of dollars. I feel as though what they're really saying is that like, you know, enough is enough. But what people will do with that and what they'll say in those, in those circumstances and situations is that like, okay, that's the issue. Okay, black on black crime is the issue. Okay, black people are the issue and they're like the result of their own death. And it just distracts and takes away from the real issue at hand, which is these institutions and systems that actively work to perpetuate harm and danger against black bodies right just think about the the psychic violence and the uh the the psychic infiltration that these these corporations and institutions do to where you know it was black people talking about how looting and rioting like we all need to be doing this like y'all need to stay at home you know uh, what is it right? You know, start a, a letter campaign to your your representative. I'll never forget <laughs> who it was. They said, write your senator, write your write your uh, your your state representative if you're feeling bad instead of uh, looting and rioting these these stores that don't have anything to do with you know the the uh, like anti blackness. I'm like, child, are you kidding me? It's like, come on, how can you be still so invested in these systems and institutional institutions that don't give a fuck about you? And I think it's hard to wrap your brain around that, right? Um, it's hard to re remap how you think about your social environment, but it's like, we have to get there yeah. at one point. 
All right. Um, centering Black folks' experience of COVID-19 and racial tension, our next segment asks first and second years to talk back their insights about being Black at Emory. Hi, my name is Jules Pugh. Um, my pronouns are he, him, his. I am a first year here at Emory Main Campus, and um, I currently live in uh, New Haven, West Haven, Connecticut. Right now, I am very grateful to be on campus. I'm very grateful to see some of my friends and I'm very grateful to just be a part of a community that I've never been a part of before. My name is Brandon Joseph. My pronouns are he, him, his. I'm currently a freshman living on campus and I feel pretty good right now. Hi, my name is Marie Rock. Um, my pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm a second year at Emory. Um, where is home for me? A home for me is Boston, Massachusetts, and right now I'm doing all right. My most memorable uh, quarantine experience is when uh, both of my parents lost their jobs and I had to pick up a night job at Amazon. I worked 50 hours a week uh, for about five days out of that week, overnight shifts, and it was a very like strenuous experience and it was very like very hard, but the money came in great, so I wasn't complaining. In terms of my most memorable quarantine experience, it would definitely have to be finding out about like the first cases in my district living in New York and just like the excitement of all that going on and learning like, oh wow, this is real and school's closed down and now we're online and kind of dealing with that, like that first day really hit different. So just learning about that and how everything changed in that like split second, um, definitely my most memorable experience. To be honest with you, my most memorable quarantine experience is probably just being at my house and being on Zoom with my Emory friends, Ronald and Marcia. Um, we would get on Zoom and one of us would screen share and we would watch like Married at First Sight, um, things like that. And we would just laugh at the people, make jokes. In terms of coping socially, spiritually and physically, I think just kind of working with other people because everyone is going through very similar experiences right now. Not everyone is sure what's going on or what's going to happen, but I feel like working with, with my friends and talking to my friends about it because everyone's kind of going through similar experiences has really been beneficial with me just kind of trying to figure things out and coping. I think the way I just cope with being virtual is just reminding myself that like it's not going to be like this forever. Like I think being virtual has given me some time so I don't mind it and I know that eventually things will go back to normal gradually or whatever so I just cope by reminding myself that so I've definitely been experiencing different cultures and it's really shown in like music um, because a lot of people in my friend group are from different areas so I've been listening to a lot of the music they've been listening to and it's kind of just illustrated how a lot of people um, listen to different things and a lot of people grow up in different cultures and that's what music really shows. Um, unfortunately, I have not explored any new genres of music. However, I've found new artists that I've, you know, connected with on an emotional level. For example, Janaiko is my favorite artist. Um, I love the, all of her songs. Her voice is very powerful. Her voice is tranquilizing and calming and it basically just allows me to see the brighter picture of things through her voice. I'm only surrounding myself around positive, positive energy and I'm focusing on not giving my energy to any like any my energy to any and everybody and just being happy i think the first thing i do if i'm at college when quarantine is lifted is definitely just hang out with friends 
and doing something like socially around other people and that's kind of what college is about just having those experience with friends once quarantine has been lifted i'm going to the club i'm sorry i'm going to the club i'm going to whatever club y'all gonna have to drag me out i love the club i just love having a good time honestly if i had to speak about quarantine to future generations i think i would just describe it as a time of finding myself and being at peace because i think I don't know. I think that being in college and being at home, like you're so wrapped up in like these two worlds, like college is one world. Cause you know, we, for the people that aren't from Georgia, like college is one part of their life, like one part of their person, like lifestyle. And then like at home is another lifestyle. So it's like living in two worlds and it, you get wrapped up in being in both of those worlds. And it's like kind of difficult also because with call, like being at home, I think that's who you, that's the person you truly are. But being in college, it's a lot of adjustments. It's a lot of things. You're on your own. There's a lot of struggles and things that happen. I feel like you have to figure more things out for yourself and you kind of have to deal with a whole different set of problems. But in terms of a transition, I feel like it's still been good. And Emory has actually like facilitated, like, even though we're in this um, situation with like coronavirus, you know, our friend groups and our um, situations have adapted and, I feel like me as a student, I've been able to be successful with that change. 2020 is trash. It is garbage. It is full of heartbreak. It is unfulfilling. It is disheartening. It is just, it's bad. <laughs> well, thank you, Marie, Joseph, and Brandon for sharing your experiences and your thoughts on the talkback. Next, we have our BBE Spotlight, and we'll be having a special guest. For this segment, we've invited Chad Tucker, a recent graduate of Emory University and one of the principal founders of this production, Being Black Emory, um, to share their experiences of COVID-19 and its impact on uh, their graduation and postgraduate endeavors at Northwestern Law. Chad. Oh, hi, I'm Chad Tucker. Uh, I double majored in comparative literature and Chinese while at Emory University, and I would go to uh, Northwestern Princeton School of Law. And I feel like COVID-19 actually ruined everything about going to school. <laughs> it ruined everything. It like, basically ruined everybody's life all at once. Because I feel like going to graduation and then going, yeah, going to graduation would have been a moment of closure for everybody, you know, say mm. goodbye, do all these things, you reunite with everybody that you've like been on this four-year experience with. But like, we've never, ha I've just never had that. It just didn't happen. Like we just came back from spring break and it was like, oh, you gotta go. Like you gotta leave forever and don't see anybody on your way out cause you might catch COVID. So I feel like COVID has really ruined the whole graduation process. The online graduation was just terrible. It's not the same experience at all, not comparable at all. And now uh, going into law school at Northwestern and starting school entirely online, has been just as terrible as going through it when it happened abruptly. Like now I have pen pals who are like my classmates and I see that there are people on the screen, but it's no longer that like kind of spontaneous interaction you can have with people in the hallway or just like meeting people face to face. Like how tall are these people? I don't even know because they're all on the screen. We're always like sitting down, like and they're always like in pajamas or something. Like nobody's really 
able, you're not really able to see and experience other people for who they are because it's on a screen. And I understand the whole idea of making school accessible and trying to make this the new normal. But I feel like if the new normal is something that is violent and should not even be normal to begin with, we just shouldn't have it. That's just my opinion. Like, I feel like school should have just taken a break for the whole year and we all should have stayed home longer for a real quarantine, but that didn't happen. So now this new normal is our life as we meet up with people six feet apart and fear for our lives instead of just waiting out the virus when we could have for the first few months. Yeah. I love that. Period. That was, oh, well, hey, well, we do know that you are currently at Northwestern studying law. So how has that experience just going to law school in itself and have you learned anything new? You know, have you had any regrets? You know, are you firm in your decision? What does law school give like, you know, people who may be interested in going to law school some tips and some pointers? Yeah, so you can interpret this how you will, but I feel like I was born to be a lawyer. I feel like everything <laughs> in my life up to this moment has really led me directly to this occupation because I feel like I have all the skills, I have the knowledge, and when I do these activities, I'm like, wow, I was really meant to do this. So I feel like what was lacking undergrad and the idea of like practical application of the things I know, because like comparative literature in Chinese, it's like reading books, communication, like, okay, cool. You can talk to somebody. Great. You can express an idea. Cool. But I feel like the practical application of that to a rule of law or a statute and case law, that's just like, that's just more, it's more, it's more material, it's more monumental. Like you can like feel it and you can see how this is actually having an impact on people's lives rather than just like talking about things. So I feel very reaffirmed in my decision to go to law school. And I love, well, I won't even say it now, but I, I really do like my school already just because of the affinity groups. I feel like I like the people that I've met, even though it is kind of awkward on Zoom because only one person can talk at a time. So it's just kind of like, I'm like, can I, can I speak? And it's like five people and only one conversation can happen, which is very different than in-person interaction, like completely. So, yeah. I'm right. so glad you feel very, you know, confident about your decision to go to law school. You feel very happy, very satisfied intellectually. Because I know that's going to be, we all be lacking at Emory. Um, no shade. Um, but yeah, that makes me very happy. Ugh, my child. Yeah. So shout out to you and, you know, congratulations on all of what you accomplished. I know like you're going to do so well in law school because you are a smart cookie. Um, but definitely like, thank you so much for taking the time out your day to join us for this little chat and spotlight segment at Being Black Emory. Um, and it's great to have you back. Um, so, I mean, come, come back soon, you know, do what you can. Right. Stay in the we miss you. We are very proud of you. We wish you the best. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. It's really an honor to kind of impart some wisdom onto the younger folk. <laughs> so. Right. And we are always appreciative of the wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Right. All right. Okay. That was All right, cute. That was All right. Bye, y'all. Have you. fun. Bye, Chad. Love you. Bye. Wow. That was so smooth. <laughs> Girl, right. We're, we're professionals. No, for real. I feel like I was on the real. <laughs> <laughs> no dead ass. All right, y'all. That's all we have for this episode. But stay tuned for the next episode because it's introducing our new co-host. Special thanks to the Barkley Forum for sponsoring this video. And be sure 
to follow us on Facebook, IG, and Twitter at Being Like Emery. Like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're interested in being part of our production, we are looking for assistant marketing director, director, and editor. Bye, y'all. See y'all. Bye. Bye.